black and white as far as this is the way to God, this isn't the way to God, not just always lead to God, okay? which our culture would like us to believe. So any other thoughts on either of those parables before we press on? Okay. Well, would somebody please read Luke 18, verses 15 through 17? People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. Okay. So what are these parents assuming about Jesus? He's too busy for babies. I don't think the parents are assuming that. Oh, I thought you said the disciples. No, I thought I said parents. What are the parents assuming about Jesus? Strike one. (laughs) (laughs) See, you can say something if it's wrong. Then get embarrassed by... (laughs) What do you got? That he would bless them or... Right. That Jesus is approachable, that he cares about kids, that he isn't too busy, right? And as Brett's forewarned us, the disciples assume Jesus is too busy to be bothered with kids. So what does Jesus say about the kind of people who enter the kingdom of God? They're childlike. In what way? You're right, but... They're trusting. You know, they, hey. they bring nothing to the equation. They, okay. they don't have Good. So not, I think it's just important to say you don't have to be, be a child to enter the kingdom because most, many of us would never make it. <laughs> if you didn't come to Christ as a kid, um, you're host. So it's not being a child, it's being like a child, specifically in childlike dependent faith, or as, as Kyle added on, that we're not bringing anything to the table except our sin. Uh, we have not, no bargaining power. That's a, an intriguing word that he would choose there, isn't it? So receiving as a gift, not earning or gaining it. It's receiving it. Good. Any other comments or questions on that one? It's in contrast to the Pharisee that we just came out with. Okay. Okay. Right. Right. Very good. Our kids don't usually say, Mom and Dad, I cleaned my room and I did my homework, um, so can I eat? <laughs> you know, they're not usually bargaining with us on their merit. It's just like, I'm hungry. <laughs> That's their plea. They don't need to justify their existence in the family of, I did this, so you should do that. It's just, I need and I'm depending on you to meet that need. Any other comments or questions on this one? Well, let's go on to 18 and 19. Somebody read those verses, please. 
certain root of the question you're saying, God, I'm a good teacher, what shall I do to inherit life, eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Okay. So what do we usually call this man? Rich young ruler, right. So we have to fill in from Matthew and Mark to get the, the young and the rich part. It's just a ruler in this, but if you compare the other gospel accounts, we come up with rich young ruler. Okay? So he's got a lot going for him, but he obviously is missing something. And so on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is the question he's asking Jesus? Eleven. I, I like it, yes. Does it get any more important than that? I mean, I, I tried to think before I came. I was like, what other question? I mean, this isn't even like the second most important question you could ask. It's like the most important question. How do I have a relationship with God? There is a God. He made me. I'm going to answer to him. How can I be right with him? It's kind of still following that justified not by merit, by, but by mercy and childlike faith. And here's another question about the same kind of thing is, how does anybody have a relationship with God? So he wants to know that. He's rich. He's got power. He's young. He's got it all. He's got living the dream, but he still knows he's missing that. So why does Jesus respond the way he does in 19? Isn't that a little surprising at first? Almost sounds like he's saying, well, I'm not good. What is he saying? There's at least two things I think are in there. Well, there, we'll go on to read that the young ruler feels pretty good about himself. Okay. And so he's implying that people can be good. <laughs> Romans 3 says there's no one righteous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, no one, including you, is good except God. <laughs> so, yeah. And then what, would, what do you think the other piece is? I think that's right. He wants him to know that he is God. Yes. Good. Don't just call me good unless you've thought through the, okay, think of the syllogism. Only God is good. So if you're going to call me God or good, either acknowledge I'm God or don't call me good. So it's, it's just think. Don't just use these flattering titles. Um, do you really know who you're talking to? And talk about the perfect, I mean, here's the uh, number 11 question, and he's asking Jesus Christ himself. I mean, it doesn't get any richer than that. So how does Jesus respond? Let's go 20 and 21. Okay, so why does Jesus mention five of the commandments? And what do you make of the ruler's response? A claim. (laughs) 
All right, I'm, I've already struck out one. How many strikes do I get? Three? Okay. One. Uh, oh, one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got this isn't baseball, Brett. This is Sunday uh, school. Come on. <laughs> well, I think it is interesting, and tell me if this means anything, but he, he, he does the half of, of the Ten Commandments that everybody at that time thought they were already good at. Okay. Like, he didn't say anything about have no other gods before me. He didn't say anything about this. He said, from, from honor your father and mother on down, he said, you know those commandments. And he said, I'm doing all of those, mm-hmm. which almost, almost seems like a setup to Kyle's point. Like, here's the ones that you think you're already doing, and then he goes on from there. Okay, good. Yeah, so these are all horizontal ones, aren't they? Mm-hmm. These are how you treat other people. And in theory, at least on the outside, of course, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount intensifies and says, uh, it's not just literal, if there's an autopsy, you've committed murder, but if you have anger in your heart, you're just as guilty. Um, you don't have to rent a hotel room. You can commit adultery in your heart, not just literally. Um, I wonder if his parents would say, yes, he always honored us <laughs> growing up, including his teen years. I don't know, but you could at least semi think you're doing pretty well on those five, right? At least on the outward. Um, initially enough, Jesus isn't going to come back with intensifying one of those five. He's going to go for first commandment, but... Um, Anyway, so he makes this claim, probably overestimating his ability, definitely underestimating what the law requires. Um, so let's look at 22 and 23. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he had heard these things, very sad, for he was extremely rich. Okay. So why does Jesus make such a demanding call? Okay, Shelly. He knew his, his heart. Mm-hmm. It, it's never been so apparent to me in this that it's almost like Jesus, when he asks how do I have eternal life? It's almost like Jesus didn't answer that. You know, but he hasn't like, yet, has he? Yeah, it's, it's, he's piercing in to his heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, it was kind of neat how Christ is, Jesus is leading it. And if he had just simply said, have you kept the first commandment, I would think a good Jewish boy would say, well, sure. I've never bowed before an idol. Right? That would, in theory, feel like an easy one. But if you give... A test, like, okay, how real is that commitment to God first over, let's say, money? (laughs) Let's get rid of your money, because as Jesus knows our hearts, that's your idol. Put that aside, come follow me, you'll have what you're looking for. And it's like, hmm, not there. So, So it is to expose that he has broken the first commandment. Um, And... So how does the rich young ruler respond and why? Very sad. Okay, and why was he sad? Because he was extremely rich. Okay, and so what happens to him? Again, we have to fill in from the other two Gospels to know what happens next. What does he do? He leaves. He leaves. He's gone. So, to summarize it, he was not willing or able to follow Jesus on those terms. And I guess an illustration would be, 
a man unwilling to include in his wedding vows, forsaking all others, I will cleave only unto thee. If you're a fiancé and your husband-to-be said, no, I don't feel comfortable including that, I want to keep my options open, no, no go, right? As a wife, you're entitled to the exclusive affection of your husband. And as God, you're entitled to the exclusive devotion of those who know you. And so Jesus is saying, you got to pick. He's already told us, no man can serve two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other or despise the one and cling to the other. No man can serve God and mammon. You're exhibit A, rich young ruler. <laughs> you're serving mammon. I'm calling you to repent of that and go to God. And the man says, no, thank you. Isn't that something? It's sobering. It's scary. He's talking to Jesus Christ himself, wanted to know how to get to heaven, just found out how, and said, no, the cost is too high. So, think of Luke 14.33. Let's just go back to that. Actually, let's start at... 28 to 32, uh, 33. Somebody read Matthew, or Luke, I'm sorry, Luke 14, 28 to 33. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying... This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Okay, so Jesus calls everyone who would follow him to renounce all he has. So we don't necessarily literally sell it all, like he's calling the rich man to do. But in, in theory, we're like giving up the ownership. We're giving him the keys to the house and the car and life and saying, it's all yours. I'm a steward. It's yours to give and take away. Um, but it's no longer mine. It's yours. So that's for all of us. The rich young ruler is getting called to take it to another level. And so he does count the cost. He did follow the first part of Luke 14, but he wasn't willing to renounce his stuff. And so he decided Jesus isn't worth it. I mean, isn't that what it boils down to? Rather than saying goodbye to my possessions, I'll say goodbye to Jesus and to heaven and eternal life and go to hell because I love my stuff. That's a haunting story. It shows how dead we are in our sin. Because <laughs> we would have all made that same choice left to ourselves. If it wasn't money, it'd be something else. Do you think that we really count the cost, though? Like, I think he probably didn't. Like, they were talking about the tower or whichever, but... Did he really Yeah, I think he's counting the cost. Like, to follow Jesus, I have to give up my stuff. I'm not willing to pay that, so I'll like not follow you. He's going to hell. Do you think he thought that and understood it? Oh, probably not that far down the road, okay. no. So 
I think in, when I preached this, I, I talked about the rich young ruler became the middle-aged, or the rich middle-aged ruler, and then the rich old-aged ruler, and then the dead ruler. <laughs> and what shall profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I don't think he gained the whole world. <laughs> Maybe got a little, little teeny sliver of Israel. <laughs> and for that... He sold his own soul, which is terrifying. Well, Jesus is going to interpret what happened for us. Somebody read 24 through 27 in Luke 18. So, um, how many of you have ever heard that there was a gate in Jerusalem called the Needles Gate, and in order to go through it, you had to get your camel down on his knees to crawl through it? Have you ever heard that little? Yes. Okay. It's a myth. (laughs) Let me tell you why. First of all, why would you ever build a gate (laughs) that low? (laughs) But besides that, here's three reasons. One, there is no such gate. There is absolutely no record in scripture, contemporary Jewish literature, or secular history. No archaeologist has ever found any evidence of its existence. So that's just a myth. There is no such thing. Two, the disciples' follow-up question. They won't have to ask who can be saved if it was that, because they would just know, oh, okay, anybody who bends their knees, gets down on their knees, and humbly seeks it, can have it. I mean, wouldn't that be what you do if a camel has to get on his knees? Translate it, if there was such a gate, there isn't. But Jesus removes all doubt in verse, where is it? 27. So it's not just hard, it's impossible. For anybody, not just rich people, poor people, everybody in between, religious people, irreligious people, it's impossible for anyone. It's only possible by God. Okay? So the text itself tells us it's not just as simple as just humble yourself. A, you won't humble yourself. You don't have the desire or ability to do that apart from grace. But it's bigger than that. It's, you need a miracle called being born again, which we've talked about a few times in First Peter already. You need a new heart, new desires, new everything, and only God can do that miracle. It's impossible with man. It's possible with God. Only God can change a heart so that it loves him more than money, love light instead of darkness. Only God can create conviction of sin and repentance and open our eyes to see Jesus as the treasure that he is. So this man didn't see Jesus as that valuable. 
he thought his riches were more valuable than Jesus. And that's sinful. That's not just foolish, it's evil to make that choice. So any comments or questions on the rich young ruler? Because what is he dependent on? Yeah. We're dependent on all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but certainly not childlike faith. It's like, I've got stuff I don't need. <laughs> certainly not. Okay, good, good. Yeah, it's interesting how the context just flows, isn't it? As far as, you know, the Pharisee and the publican and, or, and all that. Yeah, and just on down the line of this issue is the issue and... Jesus just keeps coming at different angles of it's not about what you have or what you do or who you are. It's about who I am and what I've done and trusting me with childlike faith. just keeps coming back to that as a theme. Any other comments or questions about the rich young ruler? Oh, here's one. I have a comment. This is not a question. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't say, wait, If you won't follow me on my terms, what terms would you be willing to follow me on? If is is Lord my lordship kind of a stumbling block for you that I have the right to say what goes in your life? Okay, you can just accept me as your personal savior and still go to heaven. You don't have to obey me. We'll just give you that like we'll just call you a carnal Christian or whatever. You don't have to obey. Just sign on the dotted line. Just Raise your hand or go forward or pray the prayer. and You don't have to actually follow me as Lord. Just sign up for free salvation. He doesn't do that. He lets the man go away. So that is instructive for us. That there, are, there is a cost, and we can't trim those just to get you know, a notch on our belt. So... Anyway, any thoughts on that? Dick? The bottom line is Jesus doesn't lower his standards. No, nor should he have to. (laughs) He's Lord. So, right, he doesn't lower his standards to accommodate us. So, yeah, I I was just even thinking in our culture these days, he was very sad. So Jesus, you know, supposedly like, oh, you're sad. I didn't mean to make you sad. (laughs) Right? I mean, isn't that our culture right now? Nobody should ever be sad. You should be sad if you're not willing to give up your stuff to follow Jesus. You should be sad. So, all right. Well, Peter has a comment, and Matthew adds a question he asked you. So would somebody read 28? Then Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. Okay, so what's he, what's he getting at? Exactly. In fact, in Matthew, it does say, what then there will be there for us? What about us? Or more directly, what about me? <laughs> if we're honest, right? <laughs> so what about me? This rich young ruler wasn't willing to leave everything to follow you. 
but we were. So what about us? Are we going to lose out because we made that choice? Are we going to get left holding the bag and kind of like Jesus is going to have to say, sorry, <laughs> this didn't work out. Um, you kind of lost everything to follow me and just sorry how it worked out. So let's see how Jesus answers that question, 29 and 30. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Okay, so let's, I'll just summarize that answer. What was that? You'll be all right. You'll be be okay. Don't worry. Got you covered. Very good. You'll be just fine in this world and in the age to come. Both. Not just, yeah, it's going to be rough for 40, 50, 60 years, but at least in heaven it'll be great. It's in this life you'll receive plenty of compensation, so to speak, and in the age to come, eternal life, which is what the rich young ruler was looking for and didn't get. So we will not be the losers. So um, as it's going through my notes, um, when the Danettes were here, first they're serving in Oman. Oman is just a, like a thousandth of a percent off of 100% Muslim. It is a Muslim country, and it's technically illegal to change religions. So let's say the Danettes have been sharing with this guy in Oman, and he says, I want to follow Christ. And hopefully John would say, well, let's, let's look at the cost. It's going to cost you, I mean, possibly you could go to jail because it's against the law here. You could lose all your family ties. They might cut you off and just say, we no longer own you as our son. You could get left out of the will. You could lose all kinds of business. If you have some kind of business, you'll lose all your customers. Do you want to follow Jesus on those terms? Oh, and by the way, if you do lose those things, you also, because it says no one, not just the original disciples, but no one who's left a house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will not receive many times as much at this time. So you will lose some things, but you'll gain more now, and you'll have eternal life later Do you want to follow Jesus? Okay, So there is a cost to follow Jesus. We are maybe as aware in America as they are in Oman or a first century Jewish family because that didn't go over real well (laughs) to say I'm going to follow Jesus instead of staying a nice Jew. Um, There's a cost, but there's a reward in this life and the life to come. And In other words, it is worth it. So let me read you a quote from David Livingstone. And um, in case you aren't familiar with him, he was a missionary to Africa in the 1800s. Um, He had a very comfortable life in England, and he exchanged it for a very hard life in Africa. He uh, was constantly uh, 
subject to diseases like malaria and other nasty tropical diseases. He was mauled by a lion and permanently lost the use of his left arm. Uh, he was separated from his family for months, sometimes years at a time. So we would say, wow, he's taking one for the team, right? <laughs> That's pretty devoted. We might even say he made a lot of sacrifices to do that. So let me read what he says about that. For my own part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Away with the word and with such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then, or a lot, (laughs) with a foregoing of the common conveniences of this life may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice. So I think that's the kind of mindset we want to have. We're not like, oh, I got an unlike on Facebook because I said something about Jesus. I'm really suffering for Jesus here. It's like, no, you're not making any sacrifices, okay? (laughs) Even if you do all this stuff, you're not making any sacrifices because sacrifice implies I'm in a deficit, right? I gave up something and nothing came back. And Jesus is saying, you're never giving up something and not getting gain. That's more than compensates what you lose. So don't have this little martyr complex that, oh, poor me, you know, I lost a friend or I... Whatever, poor me. There's never poor me if you're a believer. Jesus says, I'll take good care of you now and later. Okay? Or as Matthew Henry says a little shorter, heaven will make amends for all. Heaven will make amends for all. Anything you give up now, you will not be thinking about later. So, any comments or questions on that? Pastor, yeah, Pastor, the uh, part of the context of Peter's question is, to the, you know, the ruler was going to give up a lot, and they gave up considerably less, one could argue. Um, so kind of bringing down to the common people, right? It's like, well, you know, this guy had to give up everything, sell everything, give up everything, you know, to make this uh, bigger sacrifice, if you will. Whereas uh, maybe maybe you don't have that, right? Maybe I don't have mansions and millions to give up to, for Christ, but, um, but we have a little, and it's not the size of the sacrifice or the size of the gift, um, but rather the, the heart of the man. Sure, sure. Um, and as we compare Matthew and Mark along with Luke, it does talk about leaving our families. Because remember, for three years at least, they left their families behind. They left their, at least the fishermen left their father's business. So they left family and jobs, left their homes. You know, so they're, they are giving up a lot, quote unquote, giving up a lot to be with Jesus. But Jesus says, don't worry. <laughs> I'll more than make it up to you. Any other comments or thoughts about what Jesus has to say about the cost of following him and the reward of following him? Kyle? You could possibly say that those verses are the source material for that Randy Alcorn quote. Ooh, I like it. Even, even 
Okay. Yeah, David Livingston never got his arm back. You know, it wasn't like, I'll heal you of everything that you suffer for my sake in this life and in the next. It's like, yeah, David, you're going to have to wait till heaven to get a new arm. So, yeah, so it's, a lot of it is still future. But one way to think of it is, let's say, okay, if you came out of a non-Christian family background, which many of us did, there's a difference in your relationship with your relatives, but God gives you a whole new family, right? Your church family is sweet and in some ways closer than biological or adoptive families. There's a, a bond in Christ that's stronger than just blood. So, yeah, you might lose the comfort level of family gatherings that you used to have before you were a Christian. That's okay. You get the, the comfort level of being in a family when, when you're with God's people. You get the fellowship that's even deeper than just family. So, plus heaven. <laughs> He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Very good. Which he kind of stole from Matthew Henry's dad, but that's okay. <laughs> huh? It really isn't what we give up. At the end of the day, none of us would make any choice like that because we're dead. And as we just read, it's God who saves us. Mm-hmm. saying, I'm in a right relationship with you because we have done that. Right. He's ultimately saying, we believe that you are the Messiah, that you are God, and we are following you. Right, and the only reason he knows that, remember Jesus says, his flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, my Father in Heaven did. So that, that we even know who Jesus is and want to follow him and are willing to pay the cost of following him is all a gift of grace because we love darkness and hate light. So we're not going to give up anything unless and until God works in our heart in such a way that we want to follow Jesus, whatever the terms are. That's, that's grace. So yeah, it doesn't give us points like, well, I'm more cooperative. I'm willing to give up things and the rich young ruler wasn't. So I'm better than him. That's why God likes me better. No. My heart is just as dead as the rich young ruler's. God made my heart alive, and he didn't do a miracle for the rich young ruler. That's sovereign grace. I can't take any credit for that. Like, look at me, Jesus. I was willing to do this. It's all grace. By his grace, for his glory. We used to have banners up there. (laughs) I still point up there, even though they haven't been there for a while. (laughs) By his grace, for his glory. Any other comments or questions? All right. Well, in my Bible, I'm open to Luke 19, and it is Palm Sunday, so let's transition from Sunday school to the morning worship service by reading Luke's account of Palm Sunday. Uh, Would somebody please read 1936 to 40, please? 
And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. I think that's my favorite account of Palm Sunday, because it includes that last phrase. Okay, if you don't want to praise me, or if you tell me I shouldn't have my disciples praise okay, if men will not praise me, the rocks themselves will praise me, because I'm worthy to be praised. So you can either get in on that or not get in on that, but I will be praised. That is a done deal. God has ordained that I will be honored as he is honored. John 5.23. So even rock. So I've shared this before, but some of you are new. Um, I actually brought a rock with me to Palm Sunday once and said, okay, when you look at this rock, you don't usually think, well, that's a really smart object. We usually say, dumb as a box of rocks, right? Well, maybe you don't say that, but <laughs> I mean, that's a saying. <laughs> I know we can't say S-T-U-P-I-D. So. <laughs> I'm getting a little offended about rocks. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm rock shaming, aren't I? <laughs> but even rocks, inanimate objects, know that Jesus is worthy of praise. So if we would like to take credit for being at least a little smarter than a rock, then how much more should we acknowledge the worthiness of Jesus to be praised this morning and every morning and every day and all eternity? So let's close in prayer. And uh, Andrew, would you lead us, please? Father God, we just uh, pray that you draw our hearts closer to you, help us to desire of eternity with you over the things that we rely on in this world, uh, wealth, possessions, power, uh, whatever it is, I pray that we would uh, cast those down at your feet and worship us. Uh, God, I pray that uh, as we uh, gather and worship that we would bring you glory uh, this morning and, and throughout our lives. I pray for this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.